also breaking down the National Football League draft while playing WWF No Mercy on Twitch. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, or if you're listening after on podcast. The, I guess, biggest story of the draft ends up not coming from the draft at all, or big story from draft day ends up coming not from the NFL draft at all, and that is the Aaron Rodgers saga with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, It's... It's obviously a very strange situation out in Green Bay and one that you kind of thought had just blown over after all the controversy of how that NFC title game ends with a field goal instead of a touchdown and a Green Bay loss instead of a Green Bay win and then to the eventual Super Bowl champions who beat up a Kansas City team that had some injuries and you have to think from an Aaron Rodgers perspective, boy, that seems like a missed opportunity. And so you can understand why there is a level of frustration there. For Green Bay, I don't know what you do. As now coming out of this draft, I'm not saying every team is perfect at quarterback, there are 30 teams in the NFL that would gladly take an Aaron Rodgers on their team right now. And I'm sure the other two would just have them just so the other teams don't. But you have all these teams that have kind of put together their plans for a quarterback to try to win a championship with. And now all of a sudden we're changing that with Aaron Rodgers. And again, you make that move to bring in Aaron Rodgers 100 times out of 100. It's just the the timing of it is very strange. And now you don't have the added benefit of trying to acquire this year's first round pick to really kind of help out with that deal and speed up the development process as quickly as possible. I don't know how this one ends, to be perfectly honest. I I, I kind of thought that the the Russell Wilson one would blow over in the way that it has. I the Deshaun Watson one we're just not going to talk about because that has way too much still up uh, up in the air. But boy, that looks gross. Um, but for Aaron Rodgers. I I don't have a real read on this one. It it is very difficult to see Green Bay going into a season coming off of uh, an NFC championship appearance with a rookie quarterback, or I guess technically in a second year, but a quarterback who hasn't played a lick in the National Football League and just hoping everything is going to be okay with a very obvious understanding that Aaron Rodgers masked a lot of flaws out in Green Bay. And so we will see now... What ends up happening? As far as the draft is concerned, we knew this was going to be a quarterback heavy one, and we knew that none of us really knew what was going to happen beyond the third spot in this draft, beyond the second spot in this draft. And the first two picks go the way we thought they would, with the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting Trevor Lawrence, and then Zach Wilson going to the New York Jets, which, by the way, is Zach Wilson not like the least talked about second overall pick maybe in the history of the NFL draft, you you had Trevor Lawrence, a kid who they said it on the the NFL Network broadcast tonight, which by the way is just the superior product. But they said on the NFL Network broadcast that um, Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall pick basically since he was born. Like the, the, we have known about this for a long time, and then after that, it's oh well, what's San Francisco going to do? Is Atlanta going to go quarterback? Where does Mac Jones go? What about the New England Patriots? And it was just like oh, and the, the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson. Like it was just it was such a foregone conclusion that no one cared, no one talked about it. It's the least talked about New York sports thing in the history of New York sports things. But they they end up getting their quarterback, and I believe they go um, guard later on in this draft again. 
playing video games, so no, it's not perfectly in front of me. But after that, we didn't know what was going to happen. A lot of talk that it was going to be Mac Jones in the third spot going to the San Francisco 49ers on the podcast earlier this week. I talked about how I thought that was insane and just a, a gigantic reach. And you, know, you see the Raider crest on my hat. We'll talk about reaches a little bit later. But the uh, a wrong righted before it even becomes a wrong as uh, Chris Harris on his fantasy football podcast says let's not yell about things that haven't happened yet um, as my counselor tells me don't worry about things twice now if San Francisco were to take Mac Jones with that third spot now would be the time to worry but they don't instead they take Trey Lance out of North Dakota State I think that is the right call if COVID wasn't a thing this is someone who probably is being talked about in this spot anyway, as that's where he was at the end of last season. And I get the one game that he played wasn't great, but you see the rest of how North Dakota State's season went, and you see that, okay, this guy wasn't playing with a full deck there in at ND State. So I think that this is an incredibly talented quarterback going to a very good team. The quarterback situation there is going to be interesting. A lot of talk. Oh, well, it's good. He'll redshirt behind Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy Garoppolo is still there by the time this weekend is over, that's one I will be surprised by. And maybe you have the Green Bay Packers who can swoop in, get Jimmy Garoppolo, and move on there. Although that seems like a rather expensive uh, solution to a rather expensive problem. But for San Francisco, this at least makes a ton of sense. And for with Atlanta... That was one I could understand both arguments. For the quarterback spot, you can see the argument that you are never going to be picking in this spot again. So, or, or hopefully, not for a long time. So get the franchise quarterback here. But instead, they got a guy who's probably going to the Hall of Fame at tight end. Like, everyone is gushing about how good this guy is. And this is an automatic weapon for Matt Ryan to be able to play with. And gives this offense... A really interesting look going into next season. So we'll see how it all plays out with um, with Kyle Pitts going to Atlanta. But I, I, I like that pick, and it made sense. But that was where you started to see, okay, this is where we're going to see a fall for Justin Fields. And it goes even longer than I thought it would, but it ends, I think, really, really well for him as he goes to the Chicago Bears at 11. The Bears trading up uh, into that spot with the, the NFC East just trading all over the place. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But the, the Chicago Bears, I think that is a home run pick for them. I, I don't know if Fields is going to end up being uh, an all-time great or anything like that, but... This was a Bears team that I was saying all year last year, there are great pieces on this Bears team. One of them isn't the quarterback. And I think that was proven out over and over and over and over and over again. But to have the record that team did with the quarterback that team had, anything was going to be an upgrade. I don't know how much of an upgrade Andy Dalton is, but I do know that if Justin Fields gets the potential that he could get to, this is an absolute home run for the Chicago Bears and actually makes them a little bit dangerous in a division that could see a rebuilding Green Bay Packers team and uh, an already very clearly rebuilding Detroit Lions team and a Minnesota Vikings team that just can never get out of their own way. So th this opens up actually pretty well for the Chicago Bears. And if we were doing winners and losers of the 2021 NFL draft, uh, I think the Bears are firmly in the win column with their move tonight. Do they overpay to move up eight spots? I don't think so. Just based on what was there, 
that one, you are moving up in tiers if you are going from 19 to 11, or from 20, sorry, to 11. So the the, the trade I thought made sense, and the pick makes a ton of sense for the Bears, and I, I think makes them uh, an interesting team going into next year. And I wasn't saying that pre-draft. To continue on chronologically, though, at five is where I have questions. I said on the podcast this week that if your quarterback is the number one overall pick in the most recent draft and he exits the season because of an injury, you should just be mandated to take the number one offensive tackle in the draft. Instead, they end up buddying him up with Jamar Chase. And I I want to be very clear here. Jamar Chase is super good at the sport of football. He's just not good at the aspect of football that I think the Bengals need, and that is protecting the investment they have in Joe Burrow. He does the pass-catching thing really, really well, and does the pass-catching thing from Joe Burrow extremely well. I I just wonder how much sense it makes to not go... Uh, not go offensive line there. With Penny Sewell still available, that seemed like an absolute home run pick. I understand there are tackles that are available in the second round, but they're available in the second round for a reason. Penny Sewell was taken at seven for a reason, and that just seemed like a bigger need to me for the Cincinnati Bengals. It makes their passing offense, if Burrow has a lick of time, really, really fun. With Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase, you have Boyd, who really seemed to come on Last season, uh, you have Joe Mixon, who should be more involved in that offense in Cincinnati. So I, I like I like the potential of Cincinnati. I just would like it a whole lot more if I knew that the quarterback was going to stay healthy for more than half of the season. At six, the reunion tour continues. This one was kind of cool. Jalen Waddell goes to the Miami Dolphins. It's a team that is, they were talking about it on the NFL Network broadcast. They are building speed. Devontae Parker has never been slow in his life. You have Will Fuller, who, if he is healthy and not on steroids, is going to be quite the asset for that team. And now you have Jalen Waddell, who was the best receiver on a team who had a receiver win the Heisman Trophy. Waddle ends up breaking his ankle and that ends up maybe, I mean, it it certainly holds him back, but it doesn't affect his draft status at all as he goes to the Dolphins. So I I like what the Dolphins are building. I said they've turned into one of the smarter teams in football. And I I think that really kind of rings true with this selection of Jalen Waddle. But that was one that you, you couldn't really screw up. For the Detroit Lions, I thought it was prime time to have a trade down as you see Justin Fields kind of free-falling. You have a number of quarterback-needy teams. They don't. They take Penny Sewell. That is, I think, the, one of the, the smarter picks you can make. And then the surprises come. I I thought that the, the Dallas Cowboys would have the pick of the litter when it came to defensive players. And certainly, they'd have one of J.C. Horn and Patrick Sutan Jr. That does not end up being the case. And I think that really shifts how a lot of the middle part of this draft ends up going because you have... Now, Carolina and Denver, who looks like a prime Aaron Rodgers target by not going with the quarterback here, although they trade for Teddy Bridgewater, maybe they just want to give it the old college try with Drew Locke. I've never been a Drew Locke guy, but if you want to give him more than 15 starts, I would fully support that and completely understand that line of thinking. Dallas ends up trading down with Philadelphia, who end up getting Devontae Smith. The Philadelphia Eagles, it seems, basically since Terrell Owens left, have been looking for a number one receiver. Alshon Jeffrey was that for a minute, but he's not healthy now, and this is a team 
team that desperately needs help at the receiver position, and they get a good one in Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, going uh, going to the Philadelphia Eagles. I like it a lot, um, and I think that is the the absolute move to make with the the needs that the Philadelphia Eagles had in that receiving core and have had basically since I was in high school. This is where we get the trade-up of um, of Chicago moving up to get a quarterback. After that, Micah Parsons going to the Dallas Cowboys. That one, again, just seems like a home run pick. And then what I think is probably the best pick of the draft ends up being um, the LA Chargers. As they get Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern, this is what you do. Again, you have a franchise quarterback who, by the way, I will say I was completely wrong on. I, I actually was happy as a Raider fan when Justin Herbert was drafted by the Chargers. I just, I went back to that game at the start of the year against Auburn, the year he was drafted, and he misses a throw at the end of the game so badly that it just soured me. And from a, a self-scouting assessment, I, I should not let one throw affect that. And so that's a teachable moment, as they would say. But they uh, certainly were able to look past that, draft Justin Herbert. He looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So what do you do? You protect him. Now, it's easier to say that for the Chargers because they are just overflowing with offensive weapons. But still, this is what you do with a young quarterback. And you see it with the Jets. They draft a quarterback about an hour ago, and then they go with a guard out of USC. Trading up to get a guard probably isn't how I would live my life, but it makes some sense. Um, it makes a little bit of sense anyways. You're protecting your young quarterback. And then what everyone thought was going to happen ends up happening, just not in the way we thought it would happen. And that is Mac Jones goes to the New England Patriots. He is the quarterback of the future. And now Bill Belichick, I, I, I still, I don't know. I'm still not sold on Mac Jones. I, I still think he is rather limited for what today's NFL can bring. However, the New England Patriots were just able to have a lot of success for about 20 years with a pocket quarterback and someone who isn't the most mobile. So I think they have a pretty good understanding of what to do with that. And they saw the issues of Cam Newton a season ago and some of the accuracy issues that he had and kind of realized like, okay, maybe just having someone a bit more reliable in there might be the way to go. Is he a day one starter in the NFL? I don't think so. Is Cam Newton a better option? Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I, I would go so far to say probably not at this point after what we saw last year. You can make the excuses for Cam that he had COVID and we have seen a number of athletes be adversely affected by that, even though some would suggest that being a, a healthy person leads you to not be affected by COVID. We have a number of examples that that's maybe not necessarily the case. And Cam Newton certainly could be one of them. So what New England does in the future is pretty clear. They, they are going with Mac Jones. What New England does week one, less clear. And that'll be one of the storylines to follow. After that, we're not going to go pick by pick here. That, that would seem to be a little bit much. The Vegas Raiders end up popping up on everyone's radar once again, as for the 55th year in a row for this proud franchise, they have reached in the first round of the draft. I was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt with the Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Farrell pick, although I think it's pretty clear that hasn't worked out the way that the Raiders would have wanted it to. And they reach again with, Someone who Daniel Jeremiah said was his 22nd, or sorry, his 62nd ranked player. Uh, the Vegas Raiders end up taking an offensive lineman that no one had ever heard of. Leatherwood is the fine young man's name. 
I, I just, I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. Well, I, to a certain extent, I understand. You want to protect your quarterback offensive line as a need after you dismantled one of the best offensive lines in the league. But again, if you're going to do that trade down, you see a number of teams that were very willing to trade. At this point, there's a number of teams that need a pass rusher and anyone could have traded up in that spot. I think it's easy to say, well, one of the easiest things to say on draft Twitter is, oh, well, why didn't you trade out of that spot? And a lot of times it's, well, you, you kind of need two to tango, but from a Raider perspective, why didn't you trade out of that spot? And specifically, what is it about this guy that makes you think like, just, okay, just go get him. I, I don't know. We'll see. I admittedly, I'm not doing a deep dive on the tape of offensive tackles and that to, to say that I know everything about this kid would be a wild exaggeration. However, it does seem like you probably could have got him on day two. But that is the, the Raider draft strategy for forever. <laughs> you probably could have got him in round two is absolutely the Raider story. Miami continues a smart draft with Jalen Phillips out of Miami. I like that pick a lot for them. I think that he is going to be someone who is a problem in the... Um, in the AFC, you have Davis going to the Washington football team. That one, I, I thought, made quite a bit of sense as they just look to load up on defense. They have built something really, really spectacular on the defensive side of the ball. And then after that, like there isn't a, a whole lot to break down for a little bit until you get, I think, to the Pittsburgh Steelers at 24. I, I like what Tennessee did at 22 with Caleb Farley. If he is healthy, this ends up being an absolute steal of a pick for a team that just seems so close to competing. Like, I mean, they are competing for a championship in the AFC, but they don't really feel like they are in the same tier as Kansas City and as Buffalo. And I'm not saying this first round pick gets them there, but it doesn't take much, I don't think, to get them into that top tier in the AFC. And if you get a top 10 talent at the 22nd overall pick, that sure as hell beats getting a 60th overall talent with the 17th overall pick. At 24, the Pittsburgh Steelers get Najee Harris. This one makes all the sense in the world. You have James Conner, who leaves the team and heads out to Arizona, and you have Najee Harris, who signs, or just right there to fill in. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. This is an offense that really struggled in the back part of last season, and they're giving it one more go with Ben Roethlisberger. I personally think that is a mistake, but I think that you can have a very good season with Najee Harris and just try to kind of dink and dunk your way and then figure out the quarterback position next year. The AFC North is all of a sudden one of the toughest divisions in football, probably outside of the NFC West, but I, I think it's a smart pick for Pittsburgh. From a fantasy perspective, you got to like it a lot, I think, for Najee Harris. He probably factors in day one as someone who's going to get a lot of opportunities there, and I don't know if he's going to be one of those like absolute number one, there is no committee here in Pittsburgh, but I think he is someone who's going to have value from a fantasy perspective. The same cannot be said for the running back who was selected immediately after him with Travis Etienne out of Clemson, someone who was putting up video game numbers a couple of seasons ago. He gets reunited with Trevor Lawrence, so they spend about three hours apart and are now reunited in Jacksonville. For Etienne, the, the main part of this, like, I, I think he's fine. Um, I don't know if he's a first-round talent, in my personal opinion, but he is quite good at the running back position, and I think a lot of the hesitancy I have about him in the first round is just the position that he plays. Talent-wise, he's fine. I probably could have phrased that better. The main 
impact for people is going to be from a fantasy perspective, and that is going to be just th this is an absolute kick in the balls to anyone who had James Robinson in dynasty leagues. And if you were hoping to get Travis Etienne in rookie drafts, I don't know how much this helps his value at all. In fact, I think it hurts it greatly when the, the option of maybe going to Buffalo could have been on the table for him. I, I think this one really sucks from a fantasy perspective for Travis Etienne. I think it's going to be a, a three-headed monster there. Carlos Hyde is going to get some. I don't know how much he's going to get, but he is at least going to be a factor in that backfield. And so that really muddies things from a fantasy perspective. It, it ends up looking probably like it's a stay away. And instead of kind of boosting the fantasy value for a couple of guys, it really kills it for a couple. And you make a position that's already relatively scarce just that much more scarce. After that, the main story was the Green Bay Packers. They don't go offense for like the thousandth year in a row, except for when they are drafting a backup quarterback for the guy who ended up winning the MVP award that year. And this one makes sense. The offense is very good when you have Aaron Rodgers there. If you do not have Aaron Rodgers, you have Devontae Adams, who is really good. You have Aaron Jones, who is really good. And then after that, you have a lot of guys who look really good because they got the damn MVP thrown in the football. And I don't know how seriously you can take a lot of what you see from the Green Bay weapons. We'll see what they do on day two and the rest of the weekend, and we will see what they do with Aaron Rodgers going forward. But this one... This one kind of makes sense. As you go, Eric Stokes, uh, Stokes out of Georgia. Kid is Fast as all hell with a 4-2-9-40. Could be an interesting pick. It's a defense that needs some help. It's a defense that got them in some trouble in the NFC title game, although the offense got them into a lot of trouble in that NFC title game as well. Either way, the Green Bay Packers are suddenly becoming the most interesting franchise in the National Football League. And a league that owns the calendar basically 365 days of the year now has potentially the MVP on the trading block. That's going to do it for this instant draft analysis. We will go a bit more in depth on it next week. Coming up on Friday on Couch Potato Diary, we will have a combat sports heavy edition. That's kind of going to be the schedule. Fridays are going to be for fighting. There's, I think, a song about that. But going to be talking a lot about some of the undercard stuff that I haven't touched on from UFC 261. A bit of a primer for the fight night card that's coming up this weekend, although it is very meh. And I'm going to talk about how Monday Night Raw is slowly draining the life out of my body. So catch that on Couch Potato Diary. It's where you can get, uh, wherever you get podcasts, it is going to be there. Rate, review, subscribe. Subscribe to this on Twitch, or follow me, I guess, on Twitch. Sorry, uh, subscribe. I probably sound like I'm a thousand years old. But either way, thank you very much for tuning in to this. And in podcast form, I will talk to you all again on Friday. <laughs>